Hi, it's DeWire. It is June 8th, 2023. Gamblersadvisory.com, a free site. Bettingangle.us, a free site for podcasts. DeWireBoxingNews.com. Let's talk heavyweight boxing. But first, remember, the opinion you should follow should be your own. Just consider this video to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. Now, Ricky Hatton put it best. He pointed out that it's embarrassing what's happening in the heavyweight division. Folks, it's June, and there isn't a big-time prime heavyweight fight involving the lineal Tyson Fury that's been scheduled. Right? What's going on? Arthur Perturbiev has a fight. Hell, Terence Crawford and Errol Spence have actually decided to fight this summer. How's it possible that we go into summer and Tyson Fury is inactive? He's unscheduled. Right? The Fury camp is infuriating. Right, Tyson? You're really throwing away a lot of your legacy here. There are too many names, and we'll get into them right now that you could be fighting to prove to us that you're a worthy champion. Right now, we all understand that the legs are the first to go. Even I am wondering why the hesitation to give other fighters an opportunity. Let me say, too, that when a heavyweight champion starts telling you that nobody wants to fight them, that's a bogus story. That's a silly claim. Right? Let's think through history. Mike Tyson got fights. Joe Lewis got fights. Sonny Liston got fights. Right? You name me a fearsome heavyweight champion. Rocky Marciano, Joe Fraser, George Foreman. And there were a long line of contenders who wanted to be king. Men who believed that they had what it took to win. Now understand where we are today. You had one of the biggest jokes of a negotiation take place where Tyson Fury said to a guy who held a share of the heavyweight title, Alexander Usyk, Fury said, hey, 70-30. I want 70%. And Usyk said, okay, I'll be your huckleberry. I'll take the 30%. Fury wanted a rematch clause. Understand it's because they could not agree on the rematch clause, according to reports, right? Usyk was willing to give a rematch clause, but obviously wanted a different split for the rematch should he beat Fury. That's what prevented the fight from happening, folks. So we go from an opponent, a worthy opponent, an Olympic gold medalist opponent, being willing to accept a 30% split in a title unification match to Fury out there telling people, 
nobody wants to fight me. Tyson, if that's the story you want to go with, uh, go ahead and go with it. The public, though, will decide whether or not to believe you. Right? I'm starting to wonder whether in private you've been cuffed around a bit in sparring and am not in a hurry to fight a worthy opponent. Well, let's talk about what actually is happening. The players who actually are trying to do things. And let me point out at heavyweight, ooh, they're open questions, aren't there? Right? You see a lot of guys who fought last summer, don't have fights for this summer. You know, you're, you're wondering what's going on. Well, Alexander Usyk has gone on and has signed a deal with the Saudi Arabian outfit, Skill Challenge Entertainment, for big money. Now understand, because there's huge money now behind Usyk, everyone who wants to fight Usyk, who Usyk chooses as an opponent, is going to get big money. At least market rate money. Right? Just understand that. So, Usyk is all set to fight Daniel Dubois. We'll get back to that fight a little bit later in this video. But that fight is happening, at least according to reports, sometime in August. Right? Dubois has a minor share of a heavyweight title. Just understand that that fight is on deck. Now, from this seat, it's pathetic that Usyk wanted to fight Tyson Fury in what would have been a much higher profile fight, but the sides could not agree on the match. Let's continue. Now, we all have different lists. I know many people are going to start disagreeing with me if you read the comment section on prior videos, there are always videos where people say, Dwyer, you don't know what you're talking about. You're a lost soul. Here's how I see it. And I say, great, tell us how you see it. This is an interactive forum. But since I'm making the video here, I'm going to give you my take. These are the four guys to me who are major threats to the crown. The first is the guy I call the heir apparent, Philippe Ergovic. Now, quick thoughts, right? Just a few words here on who he is. He's a looper. He can move. He can use length. Now, he's already in his early 30s. Right? He won a bronze medal at the 2016 Rio Olympic Games. I consider him to be a major threat to the title. Now, it's just a sign of the times we're in, where we're hearing about the past more than the future. Right? We're hearing about AJ. We're hearing about Deontay Wilder. I'm here talking about Tyson Fury. 
right? I need for folks to understand that no matter how much their handlers slow play the rollout of a heavyweight division, you need to be looking over their shoulders and you need to ask yourself, who are the best heavyweights today? Right before I go down a nostalgia tour, I'm thinking about, you know, AJ against Deontay. Right? I need to ask myself, who are the best fighters today? Who, if given an opportunity, whether they're popular or not, would give whoever has the belt on? Fury, Usyk, Dubois, a hard fight. I believe Philippe Ergovic would. Let me point out, too. If Philippe Ergovic signs to fight any of the three men I named and is a sizable underdog, right? An underdog, let's say, lower than a plus 130, I'll consider it more bare for me, right? That'll be enough of a spread that I could work with. Get a hedge knowing that I privately think Ergovic has a very good chance of winning the fight outright. Let's talk about the three other names who I consider major threats to the throne. Zhili Zhang. Folks, he's 40 years old. Let me repeat that. 40. He won a silver medal in the 2008 Beijing Olympic Games. Quick takes. He's a southpaw. He's a better boxer than you think. He has power without a wind-up. Let's name two more names. Right, this one's a little bit controversial. Michael Hunter. He's 34 years old. He's a former Golden Gloves winner. Right? Understand, he has been in the ring as an amateur with people like Arthur Perturbiev. He fought Alexander Usyk for the cruiserweight title at one point. Went the distance against Usyk. He is disruptively off rhythm. He's very savvy. He's always overlooked. Right now, it's my belief that the fighters who give Tyson Fury the biggest problems are the more coordinated, smaller guys who can move, right? Styles make fights. I'm just telling you I personally believe that Tyson Fury would have his hands full with Michael Hunter, as would Anthony Joshua, right? Hunter is very hard to duplicate in sparring. Finally, let's talk about the fourth guy who I believe is a major threat to the throne. You know what they say, at least the who used to say. The new boss, same as the old boss. Deontay Wilder, he's 37 years old. He's a five-year heavyweight cha uh, former champion. Simply put, power always matters, right? It always matters. There's not a man in the heavyweight division 
who'd be able to take Deontay Wilder's straight right hand. Now, let me shift gears and let's get regional. You know, the UK is really the United Kingdom of heavyweights. Understand, it is at the center of the glamour division of boxing right now. No other country is close. Right now. So let's talk about some guys who either are from the UK or who train in the United Kingdom. Who are people you need to keep a big eye on. Right? Who, quite frankly, might be the betting side of the play against some of the bigger names at heavyweight. Martin Bacoli. Understand, he beat Olympic gold medalist Tony Yoka. He now fights out of Scotland. He calls himself the last king of Scotland, which is one of the better nicknames in boxing. I'm not sure if the crowd gets it. Right? But, uh... Before his fights, they call him the last king of Scotland. It's a brilliant name. Now, understand, he's a rare long-range hooker. Right? In the first half of fights, I'm not sure about the second half of fights, but in the first half of fights, he simply has too much volume for most opponents. Right? The first six rounds of a Bacoli-Usik fight would be about as good as the heavyweight division right now can offer. I'm guessing Bacoli would go looking for Usyk. I'm guessing Usyk would have to move. He would try to faint Bacoli out of his shoes. Right, folks? That first six rounds, I'm not sure how that would end. To get an idea... On how frantic it could be, I would suggest you look at Bacoli in his first six rounds against Tony Yoka. That's some of the best footage any heavyweight has thrown down over the last three years. Let's talk about some other guys. Tyson Fury and Daniel Dubois have heavyweight belts. Dillian White beat American Jermaine Franklin. And then, surprisingly, and we need to talk about this, quite frankly. We need to at least mention it in videos like this. Surprisingly, was passed over by Anthony Joshua, who chose to fight Franklin instead of the guy who beat Franklin. Right now, that White-Franklin fight was competitive. Right, but it's a bit shocking that you're in negotiations with AJ, you actually win the fight you're in, and then AJ goes elsewhere. Let me say, too, the UK has Joe Joyce, the juggernaut, who, let's be blunt here, I expect to lose to Zhili Zhang in the rematch. The UK also has Joseph Parker, right? Parker might as well be from the UK because even though he's a Kiwi, 
Parker trains and fights out of the United Kingdom. Understand, Parker is still dangerous. Parker landed some home run shots on Joe Joyce when they fought. Those shots would have dropped most heavyweights, right? Most. I would expect Tyson Fury to go down if he got hit by Joseph Parker the way Joseph Parker hit Joe Joyce. That fight's an illusion. Ultimately, the juggernaut wore down Joseph Parker. Parker's only 31 years old, right? Parker is still a puncher. He's still an athlete. He's still dangerous. Now let's get provocative, and let's talk about a group that needs to be mentioned, the upstarts. Right now, again, styles make fights. I could be in the ring and not know what I'm doing. But if my style is disruptive, if you're looking at me and you don't know what I'm doing, and if I have a punch and I'm an athlete and I can take shots and I'm willing to trade, then I won't be the only person in trouble in the fight. Fabio Wardley is a guy who, quite frankly, represents chaos to me. I bet against him in some fights. Then I've watched the fight, and I realize the guy can punch. The guy can do so with either hand. The guy is willing to mix it up with you. The guy's a better athlete than most heavyweights. Now, I'm not saying the guy is great defensively. I'm not saying the guy comes in with things planned out like a Tyson Fury or an Usyk would, right? I'm not saying the guy's that structured. He seems to be on the fly to me. But just understand, if you see his name in a big fight and he's going off at better than a plus 150, you need to consider him. Right? Just simply too chaotic for structured guys. Understand, Floyd Mayweather in interviews has pointed out that Emmanuel Augustus was one of his toughest opponents. Right? You can imagine some guys in there, you're fainting, the guy is ignoring your faints. You start hitting the guy with big shots, he starts swinging big shots. You're not sure about the angles of his shots. You're accustomed to an orthodox way of doing things. This guy's too unorthodox, too unpredictable. When you look into Fabio Wardley's past, you're going to notice that Fabio Wardley has sparred with a who's who in the heavyweight division. He's a dangerous man. Let's talk about other upstarts. Now, I know. Lawrence Acoli is not the most popular fighter in the United Kingdom. I get that people view him as a grab and holder. I heard the crowd when Chris Billum Smith knocks him down 
on the left hook. We'll overlook the fact that Okole is dominating the fight up until that punch. Right? What I need for people to understand, though, is that boxing is actually a craft. Right? Some guys have big-time skills. Lawrence Okole's jab, in my opinion, and yeah, he was lackadaisical with it, it was lazy, he gets caught with the left hook because he has that jab linger. Right? I'm guessing he was trying to measure Chris Billum Smith. He thought he could keep him at the end of the jab. He made mistakes. Okay, fine. Okole's 6'5 with reach. I know he's a cruiser. Understand, David Hay, who became heavyweight champion, was a cruiser. Understand. Ezra Charles was a light heavy. He became heavyweight champion. Right? Just understand, Rocky Marciano fought several fights, weighing less than Lawrence Okole weighed in his last fight. Right? Joe Fraser, I believe, for the first fight against Ali, weighs less than 210 pounds. I think he weighed 205 or something like that. Double check me on that. Let us know about it in the comment section of this YouTube video. Lawrence Okole has a jab, folks, that would carry to heavyweight. As I said in a prior video, I believe he's at risk, greater risk, at cruiser. Now, maybe he can't take a punch. Let's just be blunt here. He's badly hurt against Chris Billum Smith. Right? Maybe he can't take a punch, or maybe he's in the wrong weight class and he's too weight-drained. And maybe if his body rehydrates the right way, maybe if he's weighing 205, the guy'd be able to take punches. Understand, too, it's hard to hit him. Clinching is a big part of the game, right? Anyone who saw the Tyson Fury fight where he got cut and had to clinch the guy. Man, I forget the guy's name here doing a live video. But anyone who saw that fight, Otto Wallen, knows that clinching is an important part of the sport. We lament Okoli's clinching now. I'm just telling you it would carry at heavyweight. Right? Lawrence Okole is a guy who you need to think about as possibly being a real challenge in the heavyweight division. Keep in mind, his trainer is Tyson Fury's trainer, Sugar Hill. Let's throw in a new name, Richard Reactpour. Right? We thought we were going to get an Okole Reactpour fight at cruiser right now i need for people to understand that one of the guys with multiple belts right now in the heavyweight division is a former cruiserweight champion alexander usik now reactpour has power that power would travel to the heavyweight division understand too he would be one of the better athletes in the heavyweight division Right? Don't fall in love with weight classes. Lord knows. Boxing history has guys 
jumping up and down in weight and shocking people, right? Joey Maxim, the light heavyweight champion, almost lost, almost lost to Sugar Ray Robinson, right? Who at one point was the welterweight champion, right? Then became middleweight champion, jumps up to light heavy, almost beat him. Bernard Hopkins was a middleweight champion. He lost his belt at middleweight. He jumped up the light heavyweight. Beat Antonio Tarver, who was supposed to win that match. Right? Michael Spinks. Now, I understand. There's a hardcore Larry Holmes contingent out there. Right? I'm a big Holmes fan. And many of us are wondering how Michael Spinks was awarded the second fight against Larry Holmes, right? But what I want people to do is to understand <laughs> that light heavyweight, Michael Spinks jumped up to heavyweight against a dominant heavyweight champion. Larry Holmes was dominant. Larry Holmes was trying to match Rocky Marciano in terms of you know, 49 fights without a loss. And just understand that he goes the distance with Larry Holmes twice. Now, to put that in perspective, that would be like Arthur Perturbi, as dominant as he is, jumping up to heavyweight and then going the distance with Tyson Fury twice. Well, just realize that after beating Larry Holmes twice, Michael Spinks then faced underrated Jerry Cooney. I'm just telling you, Jerry Cooney was a beast. His left hook was tough. Think Joe Fraser's left hook. And understand, Michael Spinks beat Jerry Cooney. He defended his heavyweight title. Right? So this would be like Arthur Perturbiev pivoting after beating Tyson Fury, then fighting AJ and winning that fight by stoppage. Right, Richard Reactpour, I'm just telling you, cruiserweights are perfectly situated to take on and exploit clunky heavyweights. Reactpour would have a harder time against Usyk, a former cruiserweight himself, then he would have against, let's say, AJ. Right? Just, just food for thought. So pay close attention to the uh, upstarts. I see I'm 26 minutes in. In my mind, I thought I'd be 10 minutes into this. So let's talk about what I think is going to happen the next few months in the heavyweight division. I'll try to be a little bit quicker. Right? We'll discuss it in greater detail as these fights actually approach. As I said earlier, everything I say here is subject to change based on evolving information. I expect Usyk to beat Daniel Dubois because of Dubois' questionable defense. Right? Let's remember Kevin Lorena, who's fighting for the Bridgerweight title, by the way, cuffed around and dropped Dubois early in their fight before Dubois turned the tables and got the stoppage, right? The hedge here is Dubois by early KO. 
Note that I expect Usyk to not only beat Dubois, I'm expecting a stoppage from Usyk. We'll see what betting options the casinos give us as that fight approaches. Then, because of the big money from Usyk's new sponsor, I believe that the Usyk versus Fury fight gets made. Now, if that fight happens, I believe Usyk will be the betting side of the play. He's likely to be the underdog. More coordinated fighters give Fury problems. My hedge would be Fury by decision. I think AJ fights Dillian White in the fall. I expect that fight to be spirited much better than the public expects the fight to be. AJ, based on styles, in my opinion, cannot afford to let that fight go the distance. Either guy in that fight, in my opinion, can get the stoppage. So the fight for me is going to be what I call an odds play, right, based on the betting lines. I'm hoping for a high over under so I can take the under. I think someone gets stopped in that fight. I think you're going to get reasonable odds because AJ did not stop Usyk in two fights and did not stop Franklin in his last fight. If the under is too low, I might buy rounds. Right? I need for people to listen to Fabio Wardley when he talks about the guy he has been in the ring with, right, sparring and stuff like that, who hits the hardest. That Dillian White left hook is no joke. I thought Dillian White started out his first fight against AJ looking good. Then you could tell something happened. As it turned out, White lost his shoulder in that fight, right? Hurt his shoulder. This fight, the AJ I saw is a bit hesitant. AJ is the better athlete, is the more gifted puncher, but is also the fighter who's more uncertain about himself. Understand, Dillian White still had power and hurt Jermaine Franklin in the 12th round of their last fight. I think Dillian White has lost his legs. I think he's going to need to be around the pocket. I'm expecting an action fight that's going to shock the public. I'm not sure who wins it, right? If I get an option to take either, you know, that the fight doesn't go the distance, that might be the play for me. I'm expecting a stoppage in that fight. Now, should AJ win that fight? I believe he fights and beats Deontay Wilder. Now, Wilder is better than ever and can now shorten what used to be that long right hand of his. But AJ is the better athlete. AJ is two-handed. And he can hurt Wilder with right hands to the body while protecting his chin and temple with his left hand, which would line up opposite Wilder's right hand. 
Now, I don't want to sound too wonkish here. I don't want to step on Derek James's great work, right? But if AJ could look at old George Foreman films and see how Foreman had a guard like this and would have his right hand wrapped around his chin and his temple, right? Think about fighters who come in Archie Moore style, come in and have a hand like this to catch shots. If AJ could use not his left hand to cover his temple and his chin, but his right hand, the fight becomes much easier for him because AJ is a devastating body puncher. He would have his left hand in a fight of an orthodox fighter against an orthodox fighter. He would have his left hand free and would be able to come in and throw left hooks to Wilder's body. Wilder is not defensively blessed. Right, to beat Wilder, who's a thin guy. I'm surprised more opponents don't try to go through his body. I believe AJ would have an opportunity to do that here. The hedge would be Wilder by stoppage. Right, finally, as I said earlier, Xili Zhang against Joe Joyce in the rematch. I'm taking Zhang. Right, I believe Joyce is hardwired and doesn't move his head that much. This is not a Floyd Mayweather type of boxer who, you know, can look at film. Uh, this is not Terrence Crawford, a guy who can look at film, who asks himself, what am I going to do against this guy? What adjustments can I make in my style to nullify what this guy's doing? That's not Joe Joyce. I believe Joe Joyce is going to come out again, fight the same fight he fought last time. I also believe that Zhang's better than we think his right hand, right? He's a southpaw. His right hand is also concussive, right? I think Joe Joyce loses that fight. Quite frankly, I was excited. When I heard that Tyson Fury had agreed to fight Zhang, I thought that was a major mistake by Tyson Fury. Fury got let off the hook by Joyce exercising the rematch clause. I like Zhang in that fight. Understand, I consider Zhang to be one of the major threats to the heavyweight title. I consider his fight against Ergovic to be a fight we're going to be talking about for years because I'm expecting one, if not both, of those guys to rise to the upper level of the heavyweight division. That's how I see it. Let me hear from you. I hope you leave your comments in the comment section of this YouTube video. Understand, too, I offer this video as just a boxing fan. Right? Things could turn out wildly different. I understand, too, that other people see the sport very differently than I do, and I respect that. Right? I get that when I mention Michael Hunter here as a major threat to the throne, 
people are chuckling. Just understand, Hunter stops Martin Bacoli. That fight's already happened. Right? Understand, he fights Povetkin. It was Povetkin who had to come back in that fight to get the draw. Right? Boxing is a lot like baseball. If you have a problem, if, if you're the man, but you have a problem hitting knuckleballs, then a Phil Necro can come in and can throw 80 mile an hour knuckleballs, you won't be able to hit it. Even if you're an MVP candidate. Right? Hunter is going to pose problems for people. Right? Just food for thought. Let me say too, Deontay Wilder. All I could say about Wilder is we watch him and we understand he's flawed. Right? He gets a guy hurt, he starts windmilling. You understand that he doesn't have the confidence to throw a lot of left hooks. He's standing around waiting to throw that big right hand. We've seen fights where other fighters, in my opinion, have dominated him early. The Gerald Washington fight, the uh, both Luis Ortiz fights, right? I'm not beholden to judges' scorecards. Those opponents were dominating him. We understand that Deontay Wilder can be outboxed. How many guys have done that? Right? Isn't his Huckleberry Tyson Fury? Didn't he knock down Tyson Fury multiple times in multiple fights? I would argue, and look this up, that the count on which George Foreman lost his title against Ali in the Rumble in the Jungle was shorter than the count in the first Wilder Fury fight where Fury was allowed to continue. Had Jack Reese been the referee from the Rumble in the Jungle, Fury would have a loss. Wilder would have defended his title. We might not have gotten the other Fury-Wilder fights. Right, so I'll just say, I know there are many of you who don't even think Deontay Wilder, five-year heavyweight champion, is a Hall of Famer. Y'all are kidding yourselves. Understand, he also is still one of the major threats to the heavyweight title. Right, if AJ gets reckless, folks, he'll be placing himself at risk. Right? Wilder is someone who only has to be right once. Understand, remains to Vern goes the distance with Wilder. That's in the fight where Wilder wins the title. In that rematch, Devern makes a mistake. He gets hit so hard, he thought he was hit on the back of the head. No, he was hit on the chin in the front, but he thought he was hit in the back of the head. Did not make it out of the first round. Anyway, that's how I see it. Let me hear from you. And AJ, I'll just say this. I know there were a lot of doubters on AJ, right? No one is harder on British fighters than other British fighters, right? I was reading an interview of Carl Frotch, and I just couldn't believe the shots he was taking on AJ. I understand. The UK has a vibrant press. 
I understand some former fighters are now members of the press, right? Johnny Nelson is saying that AJ was asking regular everyday folks what he was doing wrong in the ring and stuff like that. Just understand talent is talent. AJ's two-handed. He lost to a fighter who's underrated in Usyk, right? Nobody has more hand speed in the pocket than Andy Ruiz, right? I believe AJ against Deontay Wilder is going to remind us why he was AJ, Right? While I believe Dillian White is a little bit on the downside of his career, Dillian White's a master in the pocket. Right, He prides himself on his body shots. Right, I still think AJ's talented when I talk about Dillian White having a real shot on him. That's really more of a tribute to Dillian White than it is a knock on Anthony Joshua. In any event, and I say that recognizing, and I know people disagree with this, but I know it having been here online, recognizing that AJ is one of the most loved fighters today in boxing. I don't care about the soft box office before and stuff like that, right? People fall in love with fighters, and even when the fighter stumbles, Ray Leonard against Duran, the first fight. The crowd still follows their guy, right? Sometimes mortality actually makes the fighter even more attractive, right? Anyway, that's how I see it. Let me hear from you. I hope you leave your comments in the comment section of this video. Let me close with this. I know there are some who actually believe that people are avoiding Tyson Fury, right? Hey, make yourself hurt. If you truly believe <laughs> that there are a host of fighters here who wouldn't jump at the opportunity, certainly Zhili Zhang wanted to fight Tyson Fury, no hesitation, right? He was stopped by a rematch clause, right? No hesitation to fight Tyson Fury. If you believe that none of these top heavyweights want to fight Tyson Fury, I think Michael Hunter would sign to fight Tyson Fury if offered a reasonable contract in about one minute. If you feel differently, tell us about it in the comment section of this YouTube video. Thanks for stopping by.